Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Said the Joker in Batman. Welcome once again. This week, we dance to the tune of the dark side as we focus on bad people. Crawling through history, fact, fiction and cinema, we unearth stories around villains, rogues and knaves in this wicked, wicked episode. And we also introduce our first twist in this new year in our podcast by getting our very first guest to talk about something very special. So, in the immortal words of Stan Shunpike, the conductor of the night bus in Harry Potter world, I will say only this. Get ready for a boompy ride. So with my evil twin, Joy Bhattacharya, welcome to a world of masterful deceit and scurrilous villainy in today's episode of Fact of the Matter. So we will talk about our guests later and we'll bring him in later. But first, a very warm welcome, Joy. And um, I hope you didn't mind me calling you my evil twin there. Uh, not at all. Evil twins is, I think it's par for the course. I mean, if you don't have at least two evil twins, I mean, what's it all about? I mean, you need to be a bit evil to get on in life nowadays. So, yeah, I'm perfectly, I'm already... <laughs> I'm trying to even make my laugh sound a bit evil, but uh, I don't think that's working. But anyways, in main course, as always, as you have all guessed by now, we are going to focus on villains. And I will start with my first story which is actually like a HR performance of Brazil Joy. And this is of a character from the great Indian epic Mahabharat, right? And the character's name is, of course, since we're talking villains, no, it's not Duryodhan, it's not anybody else, but it's his younger brother, Dushasan. Now, Dushasan's performance of Brazil is based on what he did in the Great War. I'm focusing more on the Great War. Now, remember, Dushasan's most important contribution or claim to fame is the fact that he, during that famous or infamous dice game, which happened a few months back or a few years back, he was the one who tried to disrobe or he did disrobe Draupadi, who was the, you know, the wife of the Pandavas and Dushashan was a Kaurava, right? And there were some, you know, strong words spoken, some vows taken, and Dushashan always had that thing hanging over his head. So, what happens in the war now? first day of the war, very interesting bit of trivia, though I don't know if somebody can prove that really. Dushas and Joy was apparently the warrior who shot the first arrow in the big war. And Whoa. he basically started off the war. And then he fought that day with Nakul, one of the five brothers of the Pandavas, and obviously came away unscathed. And I love this. This is almost like Davis Cup Joy, right? You have uh, people paired against each other day one. You have two singles and then you have a doubles on day two. And then you come back and the return the reverse singles and things like that. So day one was good. He became very famous by shooting the first arrow, by fighting with Nakul. Obviously, he survived. And then the next few days, I think he took rest or whatever or, you know, did not play that big a part. The second uh, point which came up in his appraisal note is on day 10. And he was appointed that day on the front lines to defend great-grandfather Bhishma from the Pandava army. And this was his best day. He apparently exhibited his uh, valor on that day by resisting all the Pandavas single-handedly right at the end, maybe because of tiredness or maybe he was trying to check his uh, WhatsApp or something. He got defeated by Arjuna. But again, it was not a not a full-scale defeat. He, he somehow came out of it. Buoyed by all this, on day 13, 
he was present. And that day 13 was the day of the Chakravuha joy, if you remember, the Abhimanyu day. And he was present in the Chakravuha. And after a very strong duel, he was actually defeated by Abhimanyu. And his charioteer saved him by taking him away from the battlefield. And that was the beginning of the decline, so as to say, because on the very next day, he was appointed to defend another king, Jayadrat. And uh, maybe because he was you know, trying to recover from day 13 exertions, he was vanquished easily by Arjuna again uh, from the Pandava side. And you know, things got very bad. But finally, on day 16, he met Bhim, the big, big brother out of the five Pandavas in a duel. Initially, he was doing great. He was showering arrows and you know, he pierced Bhim's armor. He cut his bow. And you know, achieve some success, but then Bhim's all about the mace joy, right? And he hurled a mace which shattered Dushashan's chariot, killed his horses, his charioteer, and then it was endgame. It was like Avenger Endgame, Mahabharat style. He was finally killed. And remember, I mentioned the dice game incident where Bhim had actually taken a vow to drink his blood after seeing his wife insulted uh, by being disrobed by the same man, Dushashan. And Bhim apparently tore open the dead Dushashan's chest and drank his blood and then took a little bit of the blood and applied it on Draupadi's hair to fulfill her vow. And she'd also taken one vow. But um, this death led to a lot of agitation amongst the Kauravas because he was almost like the number two and you know Duryodhan, the number one, the, the, the central character on the Kaurava side, apparently was numb with grief and and hardly was a very strong force apparently after that. Uh, but this was the most brutal or one of the most brutal deaths in Mahabharat. And uh, I thought, let's put some focus on Dushasan, Joy. What do you think? Dushasan is actually my kind of second favorite villain. I was just thinking that almost all the villains in Indian mythology come from one incident where four people who looked like five-year-old children were stalked by two gatekeepers called Jay and Vijay. So Jay and Vijay are these gatekeepers of Vishnu and they're there and they're waiting and they're supposed to meant to guard Vishnu. And these yeah. people come there looking just like kids and they say, we want to meet Vishnu. And they said, you know, you can't meet Vishnu because you're children and you can't do that. And he's resting right now. And they were so angry and these are Kumaras. They were created by Brahma. They're so pure that they cursed them saying that, you know, they would have to give up their divinity and they have to go and live enough. And Vishnu came out and said, oh God, now what do, what do we do? Because these guys are very faithful to him. So they said, We'll give you two choices. You go seven lifetimes as a friend of Vishnu on earth and then come back as my gatekeepers or go four lifetimes as an enemy of Vishnu and go down on earth. Right. And these guys decide that four lifetimes is better. They basically, they want to go through the lesser number of lifetimes to just come back, finish it and do it. So they start off as Hirindakashipu, who's one of the big villains you remember to try yes. to kill Prelad. Yes. Okay. After that, they come back again as Ravan and Kumbhakarn. Okay, mm -hmm. there were mm -hmm. two brothers out there. Then they again come back in the Mahabharat as Shishupal and Dantavkara. Okay, basically Jarasandha's ally. And also Shishupal, Ravan, all these people, Hiranyakashipu, all of them were these two guys who kept getting reincarnated. I think I said four, no, it wasn't four words. I think it was no, seven I, as the enemy. Do, do I, this is. 
this is uh, making me feel a bit sad. Do you think uh, you and I, therefore, have been reincarnated in our present form in this, if we were to, you know, firmly believe the theory of reincarnation and uh, Indian mythology and Mahabharata and all these stories? What were we during the Battle of Mahabharata and, and as a result of which this is our present reincarnation? Would we be two foot soldiers uh, who, who got wiped out on day one when um, Dushashan threw his first arrow or whatever, shot his first arrow? Or were we... You know, were we cooks in a camp, or do you think we were, uh, we were exactly like the way we are, uh, completely useless fellows who only talk all the time, and we were, you know, given some really low-level menial tasks within the big army camp of either the Pandavas or Kauravas? What do you think now, we were? I look the best. I think we are because I can't imagine too high. The best I think we could be is Sanjay, because Sanjay is basically the original Dutarsh. Basically, right. Dhritarashtra can't see the action. We'd stand out there and say, okay, Arjun's moving to the left and here Bhishma is going to stop him and here the arrows are going. So, I think we do greatest commentator. I think that's what we do. I think I think that's that's that sounds actually much better. At least you've made us commentators <laughs> and not uh, cook's assistants. But that's fantastic. What's your first story on villains, Joy? My first story on villains is actually to do with a line in, you know, movie history which is a classic line and I didn't know that this line is actually very different. So, you know, the classic Hannibal Lecter line is, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice shanty. Right. And it sounds, wow, <laughs> it, it is like a chilling, chilling line. But here there's a little bit of a medical joke because, you know, Silence of the Lambs, um, gentleman who wrote it, he knew his stuff. So, what he actually was saying was that there's a particular drug that is used especially to deal you know, with these, these psychopaths like Hannibal Lecter. And these drugs are called monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Okay. Or MAOIs. Okay? okay. So, monoamine oxidase inhibitors basically stop you from behaving psychotically like the way you know, people like Lecter believe. Okay. And there are three things that you can't eat with them. You cannot eat basically old meat or liver. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. You cannot have beans and you cannot have wine. So wow. basically what he's saying when he says this is not only is he telling him that I've killed somebody, he's also saying, I'm off my medications. I'm not having the medication. So Fantastic. all the doctors were seeing this film got another layer to this too. Brilliant. That's, that's, that is something awesome. I mean, and I, I guess, you know, unless you know this background or backstory, you would probably not even pay too much attention to this line, right? Other than thinking he's just embellishing his meal in a very normal and psychotic way, of course. But yeah, I mean, Hannibal Lecter, of course, remains one of the iconic screen villains. I mean, really... No, so amazing. I mean, Thomas Harris got this absolutely right. I think he, you know, he was a crime reporter. He's covered this beat so much that he probably knew the right place to research this out, but it was a terrific little wrinkle out there waiting to be discovered. Fantastic. Talking of Hannibal Lecter and uh, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, my next story, Joy, is again from the world of Hollywood, interestingly, but slightly earlier or older. This is about a man who was born, Bela Ferenc Dezo Blasco, Hungarian by birth, he was born in a town called Lugos, which is in present-day Romania. But in 1919, after, a, after the communist revolution, which failed in Hungary, Bella was forced to flee his motherland for Vienna and then went to Berlin and finally reached America. Once he reached America, he tried to, or he changed his name in order to remember where he came from. So from Lugos, he said, I will call myself Bela Lugosi. And why is Bela Lugosi famous, Joy? Because... 
he is known for acting in the role of Dracula. Now, interestingly, Joy, he started on Broadway as Dracula, and it's, it's not on Hollywood first, where he was cast as the famous vampire nobleman in a 1927 stage an adaptation. And this was very, very popular. But Universal didn't really want to cast him, and this is a very interesting piece of uh, trivia, as Dracula when they first thought of the movie. And there is a very strong rumor that the director, Todd Browning, apparently wanted uh, another actor, Joy, Lon Chaney, to play the part. And uh, what was he called, Lon Chaney, Joy? Man of a Thousand Faces, right? Absolutely, the Man of a Thousand Faces. And what happened was Lon Chaney, rather inconveniently, died just before production began, and Bela Lugosi got his chance. Now, 1931, the iconic film, he appeared as Dracula, and he became briefly the most popular star in Hollywood. And they say that his fans were mostly women, and he got more female fan mail apparently in that year than even Clark Gable. Now, there is again a very interesting story. He was so desperate to play the film role of Count Dracula, Joy, that he agreed to an insultingly low paycheck of $500 a week. And he only made a quarter of what the actor playing John Harker did. And even then, Universal apparently considered a lot of options before finally settling on Lugosi. And, you know, that completely, completely transformed him. Now, another interesting story. After he starred in Dracula, the studio was eager to capitalize on the success of Bela Lugosi and wanted to cast him as the monster in a little movie, a little-known movie called Frankenstein. Nobody had heard of him. Instead, Lugosi turned the part down and said that it would be more suited to reading out from this article a half-wit extra rather than him, a serious actor. What happened as a result? It was a pretty big mistake, and the pop went to Boris Karloff, who became famous as Frankenstein. And later, apparently, Lugosi said, if it hadn't been for Boris Karloff, I could have had a corner on the horror market. But the other funny thing is that his last A-list movie paired him with Abbott and Costello, Joy. It was Funny Men in a movie called... Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which was also the very last time Lugosi played Dracula on film. Now, there was Dracula in the Frankenstein movie. <laughs> However, sadly and ironically, the studio almost didn't cast him for a very ridiculous reason. Do you know what that reason was, Joy? What? He had slipped back into so much obscurity that the studio guys, the casting guys, thought he was already dead. But then somebody <laughs> said, no, he's not. We have just reached him or managed to reach him. And, you know, that was it. And he he got his last, last, you know, A-list movie with Abbott and Costello. Bela Lugosi, of course, is known for one very famous apocryphal line, which I've heard. Can you guess, Joy, which line was that? I think I am, but I'm going to give you the credit of this one because you must say it out in your independence. Yeah, apparently, he said, right near the end of his career, <laughs> I'm tired of being a pain in the neck. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not, Joy. This suspiciously sounds like something you make up on a Friday night after your second single malt whiskey. But I thought, you know, that's a good enough note to end this Lugosi anecdote on. Yeah, yeah. no, no, super. Yeah. I, I was just reading up on... I, I'm a huge fan of Christopher Lee, the guy who took over Dracula from him. And the two things I remember about Christopher Lee, one is the fact that he was an intelligence, he was actually an intelligence officer in the Second World War. Right. And he saw real-life serious action. So he was one of those kind of characters. And the second part of it was that his favorite film role is, I mean, for a man who's done so many Draculas, he's done Saruman, 
he's appeared at count dooku in you know star wars scaramanga in bond so he's one of the guys who's appeared in almost every big franchise you know star wars james bond lord of the rings unbelievable Hobbit, all yes. of them he appeared on yes yeah yes but the main thing about him is he says his favorite film role his performance as jinnah in the biopic jinnah and oh, i find wow. that absolutely amazing and he i i have seen not all of it i've seen scenes from it it's absolutely spectacular he was superb as jinnah because if you remember jinnah is a very anglicized person and christopher lee had him to the t it's fantastic so one one trivia question for you joy what was scaramanga's strange physical identification factor i'm going to wing this and i've got one more for you i think he had a third nipple right Is absolutely right? absolutely and sean connery actually did, put... and i think i need to check up on this so listeners can check up on this and bullin had three nipples as well as far as they say in history and bullin was reputed to have three nipples Fantastic. i think i remember it and that. and the other thing i wanted to say is uh, what you said very interestingly about christopher lee having been in some of the most major franchises across movie history reminds me of uh, hugo weaving agent smith in the matrix trilogy and then he's the elven lord elrond in the lord of the rings he also you know pops up in many of these movies in in fantastic yeah. character roles right i mean and and of course indian viewers would remember hugo weaving playing the role of Douglas Jardine in that fantastic series of Bodyline, uh, which is about that infamous Bodyline cricket series. So, okay, so that's uh, we moved away a little bit from Billy with that last part, but doesn't matter. But what we will not move away from Joy is something which I am very excited about, and I'm sure you are very excited about. We will go into a break after this, but once we come back, we have that strange twist, the new thing. and that is our special section which we will have now and then not every week and our first special section is our guest of the week yes joy and i have decided to stop talking actually not maybe stop talking a little bit and get someone else to do some talking so wait for it on the other side we will come back with our guest of the week section after a break but before we step into the break remember please reach out to us with your thoughts suggestions bookcase brickbats at our email address factofthematterindia@gmail.com you can access this episode and all our episodes on uh, all audio streaming platforms like amazon music spotify apple podcasts google podcasts report stitcher etc if you like our episode please click on the follow button please share it with your friends and family if you don't like our episode please also share with maybe your enemies because you know it helps uh, you give them a little painful experience and it helps us in the long run what do you say joy it's a win win right either way we win Absolutely. yeah total win win yeah so okay um wouldn't keep you holding on to your armrests we will come back after this break with our special special guest of the week and we are back And as promised, our guest of the week today, and our first guest of Fact of the Matter, Joyce, and I hope you are very excited, is an author. And in line with what we have been speaking today, we have with us today Balaji Vittal. Balaji is a co-author along with Anirudh Bhattacharya 
of various books, including R.D. Burman, The Man, The Music, which is a national award winner for the best book on cinema in 2011, Gata Rahe Mera Dil, 50 classic Hindi film songs, which won the Mami Award for best book on cinema in 2015, and the follow-up to the R.D. Burman book, which is the highly acclaimed S.D. Burman, The Prince Musician. But today, Balaji is here today with his latest book, which is called Pure Evil, The Bad Men of Bollywood. In this book, Balaji examines in delicious detail, as Amazon says, the misdeeds of the gangster, the sly relative, the corrupt policeman, the psychopathic killer, and many more. It's a roller coaster ride looking at the changing face of Bollywood or Hindi film villains across the years. Welcome, Balaji. Welcome to Fact of the Matter. How are you? I'm great, Rothin. Thanks for having me here. Thanks, Joy, for having me here. It's great to be here. So, I want to kickstart by asking a simple question. Your books, your national award-winning books, brilliantly researched, have been on music from the world of Bollywood. Why the shift to villains? Why the focus on villains? Well, uh, one always gets back to what he really is. And, uh, you know, the sort of people that he's been on the campus with. You know, the villains of various kinds, the ones that you meet. Balaji is referring to the fact that we were in college with him and we were the nastiest people around. Go on, Balaji. I'm not going to say much more. (laughs) See, one of you is junior to me, one of you is senior to me. Right? So I was sandwiched in between. How could I not learn and how could I not get inspired enough to write a book on villains? This is... No, Balaji, this is the first time and I'm glad it's happening on a, on, a, on a public podcast that anybody has referred to me as a villain. Joy, of course, has been called a villain, a scoundrel, a pirate, a, a one-eyed knave and many other scurrilous things, especially by the hordes of uh, very, very angry ex-girlfriends, you know, who have been following in his wake or in his trail throughout the years. But for me, this is the first. I'm very proud. I'll wear it like a badge of honor, Balaji. But... Joy, yes. I just want to ask him, okay, you've got some amazing trivia and I know that you've been a quizzer, you've got some amazing facts on your book. Tell us one of the really fun facts in the book, something you discovered while researching which made you really happy. Well, of course, I had to watch a lot of films uh, during the course of writing this book. And, uh, you know, while watching this film, I discovered that it needn't be pages of dialogue. It can just be that one solitary dialogue which can create that highly, you know, that that Hofnack villain. And that I discovered in a film where this villain, he has always played a hero. He's always an elite hero. He just has that one line of villainy. I don't know whether anyone can guess the name of the film in that the villain played a ice candy man. He comes and sells ice candy to children. Uh, ice candy uh, man is, uh, yeah, Bapsi Sidwa wrote, yeah, that's, yes, definitely it's Bapsi Sidwa. That's that Amir Khan film, right? Isn't that the Amir Khan film? Fire, or uh, it's one of that trilogy. I know, you're right, Joy. One of the elements, okay, one of the elements. One of the elements, so it's not... Earth, not, it's, Earth. Earth, it's, yes. It's, ah, yes. 1947, Earth. And who was the villain? What was the line? He just says one line, Andar Hevo. The context was he loves a girl of a different community, but she loves another. Purely out of jealousy, he lets loose a mob by disclosing her hiding place to the mob. Just because he can't get the girl he loves, he lets loose an entire mob on her. They drag her out of the house, out of her hiding place, half naked, and she's never to be seen again. Just that one sentence, you know, creates a shivers. Just oh, amazing yeah. portrayal. Absolutely. Well, one of, one of my favorite uh, screen villains, and I'm going probably on the other side of the spectrum, Balaji, is uh, Shakti Kapoor as Crime Master Gogo. 
in andaz apna apna where uh, he appears magically and actually i don't know joy does he create more mirth than fear i think more mirth because he's, he's he says i'm crime master gogo i i play football with gotia and all and which is like and he says it in or delivers the lines in such a comic uh, manner and the timing is so brilliant that you know whenever i've heard this uh, uttered i hear you know gales of laughter from whoever was watching it so balaji any thoughts on uh, slapstick villains or funny villains yeah in fact shakti kapoor played captain gomes in arman uh, right. about 10 years ago uh, and there he played a sort of a comic villain and that sort of stuck to him he's right. kept playing the comic cruel villain throughout the 1980s uh, so that sort of went well with his persona unfortunately i could never get to meet shakti kapoor you know though i fixed a couple of appointments with him of mm. the 45 other people that i interviewed he's one guy i couldn't interview but it's doing fun to meet him and and get some more anecdotes on this on his jokes yeah amazing no you also had something about i think you know praveen kumar you know he also played a villain i didn't know what were you talking mm. about praveen kumar what's the story there okay Praveen Kumar Sopti how tall was he he was 6 foot 8.4 inches he was an asian games player he played a role which was the equivalent of another role played in a james bond film so he must have been jaws then because jaws is the only person james bond i can think about is that tall but which film did he play it he played a film called raksha which was a lot of elements borrowed from james bond films and all that so there was this ravina gaich trilogy you know raksha then you know couple of other films as well which sort of mirrored the bond theme jaws borrowed from there that's what it was all these movies were so much fun and this reminds me i remember once of uh, in in the 80s or 90s when we used to uh, be hooked to a television sets to watch that uh, hindi movie music special called chitrahar on wednesdays right all over india these for young listeners these are the days before cable television so probably you have you have, you have no idea what this what we are talking about that was our only window to the world of uh, you know bollywood entertainment every week on television and one day i saw this movie clip and a song from a movie called commando which featured the great mithun chakravarti along with mandakini and there was a scene which was a direct copy joy of the entry scene to castle to the very girls there castle <laughs> when all these guys came in or something and i was so shocked seeing that and then there was a brilliant song in the middle of it so when you are trying to uh, go to a villain's hideout and you know probably save some people would you break into a song somewhere just before or after which actually made me think a lot but then you know th- those were the days of how these things went in but that's a lot balaji thank you so much for being on our show thank you for My giving pleasure. us these amazing amazing anecdotes listeners if you want to read more about these uh, uh, lovely stories about villains from the world of bollywood once again pick up his book called pure evil the bad men of bollywood you can get it in uh, your nearest bookstore if it's oxford if, if you go to amazon uh, and Dharma. go to the kindle Dharma store and uh, yes you can pick it up all over there thank you balaji thank you once again for being our first ever guest on fact of the matter <laughs> and uh, we wish you the very best with this book and many more in the years to come thank you so much thanks balaji so that was our first guest of the week and uh, hope you liked uh, listening to some of his anecdotes and we will now move into our regular sections i mean don't ever think that we have forgotten about that and our next section as always is joy's favorite which is believe it or not because he's always talking about unbelievable things and absolute fibs and rotten lies 
uh, as we all know. So, Joy, what spectacular piece of news do you have for us this week in Believe It or Not? Look, I have only one piece of news because, you know, one of the things that I really, really look for information on is the famous marriage market. And all of, you know, 2021, we had so many people, people not marrying because the biryani was not right, people marrying different people, all sorts of stuff. So this time, God. I have yes. the perfect Mr. Right. <laughs> have you, yes, I found a guy, Mohammed Malik, 29 okay. years old. All right. He's put posters all over the United Kingdom saying, He's standing on a billboard, he's lying on a screen and he's pointing at a line saying, save me from an arranged marriage. Okay, And the line underneath is, find Malik a wife. So 29-year-old Mohammed Malik is looking for a wife and he's saying, dude, get me a wife. So this why went up he, on a long... Why can't he yeah. go to one of the websites uh, where you can you know, find a match or something? I mean, what's wrong with him? Why put up... Yeah. Okay, anyways, continue. Yeah, and to that, he's saying that, you know what? He says, I'm a deal breaker because he said, look, he's a single child. He needs to take care of his parents and that's why he's doing it. Okay. But he's also decided not to go the whole hog because he said, yeah, save me from an arranged marriage. But in case I don't get anyone, then I'll just try and do an arranged marriage. So, so this guy's... He's keeping his options open. This is not fair. This is this is like playing both sides. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, Joy. So, you know, uh, this yeah, is a bit 18 unfair. Days, he hasn't yet found a bride, but uh, Mohammed Malik... Look out for that. We'll update them in our viewers and our listeners in future episodes. What is Mohammed Malik doing right now? I didn't want to add another story, but this absolutely reminds me of this fantastic wedding story, Joy, which I read um, in the month of December. And I'll, I'll not go into exact details by naming them, but this was apparently a lady somewhere in North India who tried to create the, the wedding moment really special by deciding to paraglide into the wedding venue, right? On the morning of the wedding. Now, what happened was everything went fine. She went up in the air, in the plane, with the instructor. Everything went beautifully. They jumped off. Beautiful, lovely day, bright sunshine, little bit of breeze. And by some dint of luck, when she landed, maybe it was uh, a place which had a lot of wedding venues, she landed in the wrong wedding event, <laughs> right? Now, listen, this is fine. Till now, why is this interesting news? This can happen. You can have a windy day. Your paraglider can move, you know, a few feet here and there. That's all normal, par for the course. But when she got off the parachute and she looked at the stunned relatives looking at her and the would-be groom who was standing over there, one look at the groom and she fell in love with the groom. Apparently, they had a few hushed discussions and she decided, Joy, to marry that groom. Imagine Wait a minute, you also decided to marry her? Yes. And imagine the poor bride who must have been getting ready somewhere inside and, you know, uh, probably was waiting, was told, apparently, again, that, you know what, the wedding's off because uh, your chaps just got hooked with somebody else. You and... have to give us information no. later. Which country, where did this happen? This no, this amazing. happened here in India. I'll, I'll give you all the details. <laughs> and, the, and the other story is that the groom of this lady, who was also paragliding and did everything right, did all the corrections for the wind, is an expert paraglider, landed on the right spot, right wedding venue, was stood up. I mean, how unfair is that? I mean, unbelievable. Remind me, Joy, never to trust weddings where people come in on paragliders. I mean, that's my takeaway from this incident. 
and that is the epitome of the name of this section which is believe it or not so without wasting any time we'll move away from it and go to joy's favorite section which is called unerringly and oh so boringly cute words and phrases joy it's we are now into the second season you really need to change the name because i hate it i've got to stay with this whole you know villains theme so the word i'm going to put up here is a word that you know has many meanings but i'm going to put up the meaning in which it's used here of a racketeer somebody okay. who's you know doing you know and we know what a racket is a racket is of course something you play with but it's also something which is you know so it's not scan so, so it's not pv sindhu or lindan you wouldn't call them a racket <laughs> ah, okay fair enough okay so, so you know the origin is fantastic basically english pickpocket so one of the things that you do when you're pickpocketing is you always have something to distract the person of course so originally what english pickpockets used to do in the streets of london is they'd explode a firecracker or have somebody else make a noise so that the person is distracted while his or her pocket was picked okay, okay. Mm-hmm. and that was what was it called it was called it's an onomatic word on onomatopic yes yes so racket is like crack bang it's like a disturbance so don't make a racket so somebody who was making a racket while other people's pockets were being picked was a racketeer and that's where the origin of the word racket as somebody perpetrating a crime comes from i thought it was fantastic well my word today is a word which means a person who would infiltrate a criminal enterprise and then report back to law enforcement personnel with their findings ideally to curry favor with the local cops and the word is called stool pigeon jo you heard of this word yep but stool pigeon the word first appeared during the early 1800s and uh, you know noah webster used it to describe a pigeon hunting tactic where a pigeon was tied to a moving stool to make the bird flutter and attract a larger flock of pigeons to catch easily so this stool pigeon is actually a pigeon tied tied to a stool but you know and a rare i think example of animal uses like this you know which finally changed to you know describe people who would be from the world of crime and villain and and you know and villainy and so on and so forth so that's my word stool pigeon interesting 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 i love uh, i love so i love origins like that i think stool would probably not be a stool as we see it but some sort of a stool or place on which these pigeons are uh, placed correct but talking of villainy and talking of evil we now swiftly move to the biggest biggest section in our podcast episode which is bare naked lies where the two of us now will dig deep into our dark side our evil side and try and hoodwink each other joy bhattacharya do you have your question ready are you armed and dangerous yet if so go for it okay here's my fact of the day it's true or not let's find out yep the lead role in the film zanjeer Okay. okay was originally offered to dilip kumar who refused to work with prakash mehra on the grounds that he could not stand the smell latter's hair oil so basically dilip kumar refused to do the film zanjeer because he couldn't stand prakash mehra's hair oil smell and of course the role went to amitabh bachchan which is why he, how he became a star true or false joy i'll call you a bluff this time i think you're lying through your teeth this is not correct You don't believe the Herald story? No. You have twisted something somewhere in the middle. Okay. You win. I did twist something. Ah, <laughs> yes. Well, you got it absolutely totally right because the story is mostly true, 
role did go to Amitabh Bachchan because an actor refused it because he hated the smell of Prakash Mehra's hair oil. But the kind of person who did stuff like this was not Dilip Kumar. This was, of course, a far more eccentric and interesting Raj Kumar because Raj Kumar was the kind of guy who said, "Jani, ah, his hair smells. I'm not going to do it." <laughs> Fantastic. So that's the story. Yours, all yours now. Okay, my story is a quote. The actor who's very well known for appearing in uh, not only great movies or iconic movies, he played he plays the role of Loki in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Tom Hiddleston also appeared in The Night Manager, which is one of the you know the based on the John Le Carre novel, one of the biggest biggest uh, web series which which have become successful. So Tom Hiddleston said in a very famous quote, "Well, I think there are no villains in this world. There are just misunderstood heroes." Is this true or false, Tom uh, Hiddleston? Yeah, that's why you build up Tom Hiddleston too much. So I think the quote is correct, but the person who said it is not Tom Hiddleston. You're lying. No joy. This is a rare day when I win two nil. <laughs> it is indeed Tom Hiddleston who said it. I have successfully managed to bluff you, which means that in well, the well, episode well. of in the episode of villainy and skullduggery forever, the name of the winner shall be etched as Ratan Basil. My evil twin, I'm sorry, I have bested you. But fear not, there'll be many more occasions like this when we will match our evil sides vis-a-vis each other, and I'm sure you'll come back and beat me. But this is a rare victory, and I'll savor it, savor it for a long, long while. But that's enough of savoring. This is the time now to get into our audience section, our question of the day. And last week we had asked a question. Which was an interesting one. Which was the first time I had asked a question, actually. That which single word, Joy, connects the Australian tennis great Rod Laver, the winner of the first Grand Slam in the modern era, the Irish snooker maestro Ronnie O'Sullivan, and a Bollywood movie based on athletics starring Tapsi Pandey, which was launched recently. Which one word connects these? And Joy, would you want to take a guess? Got to be rocket. Absolutely. So Rod Laver was called the Rockhampton Rocket. That was his nickname. The movie starring Tapsi Pandu in the lead role was Rashmi Rocket, about a sprinter or a runner. And Ronnie O'Sullivan, the probably one of the greatest snooker players ever in the history of world snooker, is nicknamed the Rocket because of the tremendous speed with which he completes his frames. Apparently. So the key word I'm looking at is Rocket, and the winners this week are. Akash Kamal, Abhishek Basu Malik, Pranay Mishra, and Neeraj Dubey. Some regulars and some new winners. So that's fantastic. Uh, congratulations to all of you. Which brings me to my question this week, and in line with the theme of villainy, Joy. My question is this today. I'm talking about a Bollywood villain or a Bollywood actor who played the role of a villain called Yusuf Khan, and this is his real name, right? However, he's very famous for his character called Zubisko from the movie Amar Akbar Antony, 1977, and uh, he's also a father of an actor called Faraz Khan, who did a few movies. Faraz Khan was actually initially signed for Maine Pyar Kya, by the way, 1989. Joy, a uh, little bit of trivia, but he was came down with jaundice, which gave Salman Khan the chance to, you know. Debut with Mane Pyarkia or whatever, uh, make his make his real big impression in Bollywood. Now, Zubisko or real name Yusuf Khan. My question is, was born in which country? He comes from which? 
country? If you think the answer is India, say India. Zubisco has acted in Naseeb, Ham Kisi Se Kam Nahi, Saat Sawal Yani Hatim Tai, and so on and so forth. What? His real name is Yusuf Khan. So in which country was Yusuf Khan born? That's the question. Send in your answers, as always, to factofthematterindia at gmail.com. And with that, we come to this excellent episode about to end, because I think we have had enough of villainy joy. We need to go back to our normal, uh, what did you say, we were Commentators like Sanjay. Yeah, There's, you know, simple, nice, humble commentators talking about very important things in life, like paragliding bride grooms and paragliding <laughs> brides and so on and so forth. Hope you love this episode. Keep writing into us. Keep sending us your answers and uh, keep telling us, um, you know, interesting ideas of what else to do. We, we'd always love to incorporate as much of it as possible. Follow us on all your favorite audio streaming platforms, you know, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and so on and so forth. We will see you very soon, hopefully next week, once we can get Joy away from his villainy with another interesting episode. Until then, stay safe, keep your head down, and soldier on. Bye.